家晚上好，这里是正在为您直播的。Welcome to Merrick's Experts, the podcast that provides analysis of current affairs in China. China and India are two major powers in Asia, and they still continue to rise. In addition, they are the two most populous nations on Earth, being home to over one third of the global population. The importance of their relationship cannot be understated for the region, for the Eurasian continent, and for the world at large. That's why Merrick started the new year with an international conference on the India-China dynamics and its significance for Europe. Hello. My name is Johannes Heller, and to look back at China-India relations in the past decade and wage a look ahead at the years to come, I am joined by two experts on India-China relations. Jagannath Panda is research fellow and center coordinator for East Asia at the Institute for Defense Studies and Analysis (IDSA) in New Delhi, India. He's also an expert on India foreign policy, India-China relations, and the Indo-Pacific security. And Professor Shen Dingli, former executive dean at Fudan University's Institute of International Studies, is currently vice president of the Chinese Association of South Asian Studies and the Shanghai Association of International Strategic Studies. His work focuses on regional security and international strategy, arms control, and non-proliferation. How would you describe the current state of China-India relationship? Um, I'm not sure. Professor Shen, maybe you want to start.、Uh, the relationship, in my view, is uh, uh, being steadily Im- improving.、Uh, President、uh, China and Indian Prime Minister, in addition to their many uh, uh, meeting at international gathering、uh, for international summits, they have their bilateral informal meeting、uh, for the last two years. Two years ago in China's Wuhan. And last year in India's、uh, Chennai, and they say they have no agenda. They just want to meet to know、uh, each other's country better and to build the personal chemistry. Therefore, in the future, they would better predict and understand each other, and each would less uh, uh, launch some unpredict- unpredictable behavior as perceived by others, and they have more、uh, personal trust in. If they cannot resolve all difficulty, if especially the border border issue, at least they can contain, they can prevent from new trouble from being happening. So this is kind of a new uh uh uh, uh, uh system being developed. I think it's much better than having no such a system. Would you agree with this characterization? Yeah, broadly I agree with him. In fact, if you see um uh. In 2017, the relationship,、uh, you know, witnessed a serious setback with the Dukhlam、uh, standoff, border standoff.、Uh, but since then, in over the last、uh, one and a half years and two years,、uh, the relationship has significantly improved a lot. And in fact, to some extent, it would be appropriate to say that the relationship is back on track with the two informal summits, the one informal summit and the Mamlapuram informal summit. Which is、um, you know now、uh, seen as Chennai Connect、uh, formulation in India-China bilateral ties has actually brought the relationship back on track. Now whether this、uh, informal summits is going to continue or、uh, it is going to really enhance the bilateral relationship, we need to really see because、uh, there are a lot of other issues at the both sides which needs to be you know looked at. But definitely, these two informal summits has given a direction. 
to india china relations uh, for at least for next 2 to 3 years to come and uh, one could clearly see that prime minister modi in india is uh, in power currently for the next 4 uh, four or 5 years and xi jinping is definitely there in china uh, so uh, given the kind of political aura both the leaders enjoy one could say that uh, the the relationship will not really deteriorate it will the status quo will be maintained uh, the relationship is back on track but whether it will significantly improve whether it will really become one of the strong relationship in asia uh, that remain always a doubtful question in this current situation where um, relations are improving uh, we uh, also celebrate 70 years of relationships between india and china india was one of the first uh, countries uh, to have china as a partner in 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 asia um and recognize it politically there are many uh, events planned for for this occasion of 70 years of relationship um, could you go into detail uh, give us an impression what things are planned uh, to celebrate this year in india and china well i would say what has happened in the positive side when china uh, 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 face the japanese aggression indian medical doctor uh, kutif and his team came to china to save us we owe tremendous tremendous gratitude to india and uh, the two country fought together uh, as a, this china india and myanmar was a part of the uh, uh, pacific war zone uh, that was uh, chinese was uh, de- uh, uh, delegated to uh, lead this part of anti-fascist uh, movement and uh, as you pointed out india was the first uh, foreign country to accord official recognition to prc when it was founded on october 1st 1949 and india uh, helped china to open its its international space by uh, working with china in at the bandung meeting proposing the five principle of peaceful coexistence with china and myanmar And India has lots of friends. You know, India introduced the Chinese Premier, the then Premier Chiang Kai-shek, to uh, the other Asian leader. At that time, they had some concern. This is a communist country. They had some concern. So China owe a lot to India. And uh, uh, during 1950, India has a saying, "Chini, uh, Hindi, Pai Pai," which says India and China are brothers. And uh, unfortunately, due to the border uh, uh, challenge, it's a hidden bomb. And you don't know when it would explode, and sometimes explode. As a two young, independent regime, they do not have good experience at that time how to apply the principle of five P- principle of peaceful coexistence to the reality. Unfortunately, they enter into some mis- mischief uh, in- uh, engagement. That's a long past. Now the two countries have invented lots of new system how to maintain the peace and tranquility around the border around the line of actual control how to build the military confidence around the border area how to uh, uh, give notice uh, to the others that my side would launch some scale of military uh, drill and uh, please don't feel upset because i have tell you what will be the scale and uh, now they have made uh, 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 a mutual 
agreement about uh, uh, common security. So in the bottom area, they would uh, not to patrol the uh, the the, uh, the area. At the same time, you patrol at a fixed time. I would avoid to patrol at the same time. So to so as to avoid the physical uh, uh, core appearance at the same place at the same time, that tend to invite a kind of a, a, a standoff. They have not resolved the difficulty, but they are so expert. They are professors to teach other country how you can do similarly if you face a similar challenge. I think they are still thinking more. On the eve of the 70th anniversary of making the official relationship, this 70th anniversary is really significant uh, for the progress of the bilateral relationship. As Professor uh, Santing Lee pointed out, is that um, uh, if we try to see India-China relations um, in historical context, there is a historical legacy attached to it. They, they have contributed to world politics in many ways. From Bandung Conference to Council Agreement, five principles of peaceful coexistence. These principles still, uh, you know, widely respected all over the world. So, uh, but today, I think both the countries and the world politics has entered into a new area, a new arena where competing realities has emerged as one of the most important factor for India and China. So, therefore, what we are seeing is that both the countries are entering into a competing zone. to compete with each other in different sectors to try to you know um, improve their national uh, interest uh, wherever they could uh, and they therefore we do see today a range of misunderstanding a range of um, supposed conflict uh, is uh, bound to emerge and which is emerging uh, and uh, these conflicts are actually enlarging from day to day uh, so such kind of celebration 70th years of experiences that both the countries today is having uh, diplomatically i think to celebrate and to try to have different organizational events try to have different commemorative summits try to have different dialogues seminars conferences um, it's really significant to make that realization leave that uh, you know uh, both the countries are actually emerging countries they have their own interest and uh, they have their own stake in the rapidly geopolitical uh, changing environment but at the same time both the countries believe in asian values um, and they have a rich past uh, they have uh, left a rich legacy if we look at the world politics today so um, that should not be overlooked and i think uh, therefore this year is one of the uh, most important and critical year for india china relations while the the relationship between the leaders of india and china seems to be progressing quite well there still seems to be a lot of misunderstanding or animosity between people in china and india if you look at studies that research uh, opinions of other nations quite frequently uh, indian opinions to china and chinese opinions to indian people seem to be quite low about 25% 30% what do you think is the reason for that and how could that be improved maybe you want to start dr panda yeah uh, you see i mean public perception is a contested issue between two, between both the nations and uh, that's the fact today uh, partly because uh, they have got two different systems uh, there is a system in china 
which is a communist system which is the public opinion is hugely you know saved by the um, by the by the party which is ruling the country if we try to see from indian context uh, india has got a very multifaceted very diversified uh, you know public opinion so there are very negative perceptions from both the sides are bound to emerge and particularly it is bound to emerge when the national security interest of both the countries are actually colliding to some extent uh, the geopolitical environment are enforcing them to look at new emerging realities and to try to protect their national interest so all of these public perceptions are going to build against each other but i think uh, what the informal summit and and particularly if we take the last two informal summits between prime minister modi and president xi jinping are uh, needs to be taken here into confidence they are trying to pass a message to the public that yes we do have a range of misunderstanding between both the countries and the publics are supposed to react publics are supposed to express their emotions because some of these issues are outstanding issues linked with history some of these issues are are linked with uh, the territorial integrity of both the countries some of these issues are linked with the sovereignty issues so there has to be a strong public perception from both the sides but i think this leadership meeting has passed a strong message to the public also that this relationship can be managed and this relationship can be managed for the betterment of not only india and china but also for the betterment of the regions that is the asian regions and the uh, and the regions at large um and uh, therefore um all of these leadership meetings are crucial the official dialogue mechanisms to the events that are waiting this year to happen in 2020 um these are crucial um uh, directives which are going to guide the public perception to some extent the public perceptions in both the countries are actually very strongly shaped by the history if we see in indian context uh, china is seen as a suspect power if we see in um, uh, chinese context india is seen as a pro western country so all of this public perceptions towards each other are not going to fade away easily these are uh these are public perceptions which have been building for over the years and these are bound to be there but again as as i mentioned and i think summits dialogues and frequent up exchanges seminars conferences and the kind of cultural events that both the countries are planning in the year 2020 are going to give a solace to this public opinion and going to guide the public perception to some extent well uh the public some people are knowledgeable but most people uh they are driven by the uh information they accessed from the government and uh, the post government says look the other side violated the line of actual control send the, their troops to uh encroach my territorial interest and their people must be angry and uh, india is a democracy and uh, their people are more easier to access to such information because newspaper may get some news from the government and uh, government may not let them to release but uh, a newspaper want to let people know to to have a better sale of their newspaper and people are very angry why china send their troops to encroach on our territory but then at that time china need to educate their people we did not it's indian uh, they send their troops to our area Bradley 
there is a problem because there is no legal, mutually acceptable line of actual control. Neither side should not say, my understanding of this line must be accepted by others. Both fail to educate their people. The, the line I am telling is, has not been accepted by others. So, internationally, legally speaking, I cannot say they have violated, they must have violated the line of, of actual control because there is no such a line that has been mutually accepted. But they are not telling this to the people. So, people can easily uh, be excited. One thing. And for Chinese side, we, we think uh, Indian took our land. So, why you should become a new permanent member of the UN Security Council. You can apply, you can be more proactive, but before you return the land uh, to us, we are not in a situation to promote Indian's international political standing. Indian consider that the land belongs to me. So why you want to trade my interest with the land I already acquired that has be become part of mine for a long time? Indian may people, the public may feel more uh, 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 difficult to understand China's position. And uh, when China considers that uh, Tibet is a part of us for a long time, but the Tibetan spiritual leader Dalai Lama has been uh, uh, hosted by India, so that must mean India is unfriendly. If you are friendly, you should de deliver this person back to us. But Indian said that even you take Tibet, you have to respect Tibetan's uh, 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 cultural heritage and its long-existing uh, Tibetan uh, uh, Buddhism. So why China would disregard their uh, tradition and culture and uh, make such an unhappy happening? So why Indian cannot host such a, a spiritual leader in exile? So Indian have its own narrative that not all Chinese properly understand I'm not saying after proper, proper understanding, they would accept the Indian position. But without the proper understanding, it's even more challenging for Chinese to uh, understand and respect India. And uh, vice versa, India has a similar situation. It's like a mirror. Each side uses its own version, but they don't come to the other side to check what, how they look at, at us. So the recent years, I think... Uh, uh, at least for some 30 years, from the time later 1980, it's the then Indian uh, Prime Minister uh, uh, Gandhi came to China to make the ice breaking for, for the frozen relationship to have a bit of uh, warming. And later on, the two countries had more and more normal exchange. And uh, now and Modi and Xi Jinping, they are in a position possible to take a bigger a uh, uh, decision because they are powerful leader, and uh, uh, then the 70th anniversary gives them new opportunity, not to conclude all the past challenge, but to open a new page, because uh, as both nuclear weapon state, no matter accepted by NPT or not, they are nuclear weapon state. How you can uh, uh, foresee the two nuclear weapon states every day? They have trouble. And they may be, they may lose control, self-control and ability to shape others to uh, let an unnecessary and uh, uh, misfortune uh, 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 kind of uh, engagement uh, to an out of control spiraling. They cannot. Only through meeting, engagement, 
pensions, understanding, mutual respect, and uh, understand other story. Then telling my story, concluding, we may not be able to let each of us to accept your story, but we would never allow any hard landing of the relationship. From now on, and for the long time future. So this is the year of landmark for the two leaders to express their political will. Talking of long-term future, maybe we can um, have a look ahead at the next decade as we just approach the 2020s. We uh, talked about problems in the China-India relationship, be it uh, the border issue, be it having the Tibetan government in exile there, but also uh, both countries' relationship to Pakistan is, is always high, hotly disputed uh, and, and discussed. Um, but also both countries, as said in the beginning, are major players in Asia. They are the most populous countries in the world. Their cooperation could have significant uh, importance over the bilateral relation and, and have significance in, in a, for the whole continent or even globally. So what do you think is maybe the biggest problem or threat that you see ahead for the next decade, but also the, the biggest chance uh, in, in cooperation between the two nations? Maybe Professor Shen, you want to start? On trade, if uh, President Trump were to be re-elected, and if we keep his unilateral approach, beating China, beating India, beating everybody uh, for a better uh, uh, free trade arrangement with the U.S., in which U.S. can enjoy more benefits. He is destined to push India and China together, in one way or another, to open each other's market in order to have the Asian uh, uh, cooperation. Uh, the RCEP, RCEP is such a venue. If China can be more skilled in tailoring Indians' accession in a way to allow India less open its market for the time being and for the foreseeable future for a certain time, open more of Chinese market. That would entice India uh, probably to join at a certain point uh, after uh, this uh, setting, this uh, RCEP is made, or even uh, join at its beginning. China has opportunity. But China should behave in a way that China world is interested in implementing Xi Jinping's Asian value, Asian perspective, that uh, bringing amity, genuinity, not to stretch, stress too much mutual benefit at this time, but more benefit China could extend to India, to let India feel Xi Jinping is genuine. It's doable, uh, or at least it is doable over a period of time. Then Indian feel China is benign, I trust you. Then India is willing to take some risk of opening its market by joining it in a phased approach. And Pakistan. I believe India and Pakistan have the ability in managing their sometimes sensitive, if not precarious, relationship. Like the two countries manage to control their difficulty after the two air force uh, have waged uh, with a short uh, uh, period of time last year. And China may be able to help because we now have the multilateral platform that is the Shanghai Cooperation Organization. Members, they are all members. Members should not fight with each other. So China as a founding member 
should bring their hand together, together with Russia and other founding members, to find a recipe how the SEO can intervene if both would agree to bridge their uh, 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 misunderstanding or uh, uh, difficulties. And if India over time would allow China to play a more uh, formal role in uh, SAC, and China may uh, also play a better role, constructive role, in another multilateral setting, uh, uh, with understanding India is feels sure China would not uh, uh, compete for leadership in that uh, Asia, South Asian-based regional political uh, grouping. And uh, nuclear. India is a virtual nuclear weapon state. It's not accepted by NPT. So what? China cannot presume India is not a nuclear weapon state. So China can uh, 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 plan uh, with all choice of freedom of, of its uh, 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 option with India. China had to be prepared. India has uh, its own option. So given this reality, the simple denial of India's nuclear weapon standing uh, does not help. We should live in a realistic way, like the US would negotiate with North Korea to disarm. India it has not joined NPT. It, it is not going to disarm. But uh, uh, we need to find a way to peacefully coexistence with both countries' nu nuclear uh, uh, deterrent. We need to find a way how to avoid uh, uh, nuclear tension, and uh, how China, India, India, Pakistan, and maybe uh, uh, all these countries should have a certain way. I'm not saying we should legalize, formalize, out of context MPT, but we should uh, 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 work out framework. And if India makes uh, a good contribution to Asian and world development, and uh, more or less China-Indian's distrust over border, nuclear, Pakistan, Dalai, would uh, reduce, if not uh, totally elim be eliminated, that may be India's opportune time to bid for a UN seat, permanent sec Security Council permanent seat, with or without uh, vetoing uh, uh, rights. And if Asia would have only one standing member, that's probably at the 21st century, Asia is not properly represented. But as to Pakistan to represent, or Indian to represent, so you, we all have our understanding. So how Indian can soothe China's concern uh, with China more wholeheartedly to support Indian to play a pro active role in the UN business. I think all this would, uh, uh, if properly handled, would uh, be, uh, become something not impossible. So I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, cautiously, I would not think that would happen this year. But I think that has to happen not to spend another 70 years. When he celebrated the 140th anniversary, when I'm no longer able to come to your studio, <laughs> India will be there. Probably in 10, 20 years, Indian population will be bigger than China. By 2050, India will be the second biggest economy in the world, beating America. India still has another 30 years to go. India may be able to do it. But India may not be on a par with China at that time, but India may be more competent than China is today. 
So I am of this kind of a good uh, 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 prospect of India. I hope India will not fail my uh, optimistic projection. I do see that uh, the next 10 years of India-China relations will heavily be dependent on how both the countries are going to manage the emerging challenges that are there in front of them in the regions. The first challenge is that um, how both the countries are going to deal with the maritime security issues and the maritime Asia per se. If we take into account China's uh, approach towards the maritime disputes with the Southeast Asian countries and also in the East China Sea and the way the Chinese um, navies are coming to Indian Ocean, it's, it's emerging as a concern for many countries, not only India, but for many countries in the regions. And I think there is a self-realization that probably if the situation does not really uh, reviewed in the greater context of regional peace and stability, then uh, neither India-China relations but also China's relationship with many countries will not be in order. So the first and foremost challenge would be how the maritime security concerns are actually being handled. Um, and there I think the onus is more on China rather than on India. And I hope uh, this issue should not emerge as a frontal uh, you know, problematic issue between China and India. The second issue is that um, whether to uh, and whether China and India are going to really have a economic oriented relationship that they are actually currently envisioning. If we talk about the developmental partnership, it's actually talk about you know sister city concepts. It's talk about sister provincial concept. It's talk about greater trade and business contacts between both the sides. Whether this economic oriented partnership is going to really expand further, and if it is expanding, to what extent it is expanding, and whether both the countries are going to be benefited, uh, and what impact it is going to actually leave for the regions, it all of these things are actually crucial issues, and these are going to save to some extent India-China relations if they fail to really nurture a um, economic oriented relationship then their relationship will definitely not be in order. If we take into account last two decades uh, relationship trajectory, trade and economic contacts has been the most stabilizing factor in India-China relations, despite of all the problems, despite of the boundary problem, because, despite of the problems they have on the Dalai Lama issue or the Tibet issue per se, uh, despite of all the geopolitical issues they are today is having, trade and economic contacts between the two sides has been the stabilizing factor. Uh, that might be very low in comparison to their economic, respective economies. The engagement is still very low and the trade surplus is actually in favor of China. It's in massive favor of China, but uh, this has been one of the major stabilizing factor. If both the countries try to push it forward to the next level, then that would actually greatly shape India-China relations over the next one decade or so. The third issue is that how both the countries are actually um, approaching each other's and approaching each other's security and strategic interest in a multipolar world structure. Um, we know for a fact that the world is firstly, you know, becoming rapidly becoming multipolar. There are many power centers uh, in trilateral, in quadrilateral, in multilateral power centers are emerging. New institutions have come up. So it would greatly depend how both the countries are uh, viewing each other 
in this multipolar uh, global architecture um and, and i think um, both the countries needs to have an open perception towards each other uh, we know for a fact that the chinese are actually saying quite negatively india going in the united states way and trying to tie up uh, with australia japan uh, and united states in the quad formulations but uh, china should understand that this is just one quadrilateral mechanisms which india is trying to promote for for its own security interest for its own commercial interest in the regions similarly china is having a multi prompt uh, you know um tie ups and uh, in in trilateral in in greater multilateral uh, configuration with a range of countries that should not be seen negatively in india so i think it would depend how both the countries are looking at each other in a multipolar context that would shape that will actually greatly shape india china relations over the next uh, one decade or so the fourth and the final point in my perception would be how both the countries are actually dealing with the uh, immediate neighborhood issues or um, those issues which are problematic but also uh, could be resolved or those issues which could emerge as problematic but could be tackled uh, for example the relationship with pakistan uh, the relationship china's relationship with pakistan should not be a factor for india uh, neither india's problems with pakistan should not be a concern for china uh, it should not be a factor for china and i think the pakistan factor should be kept out of india china uh, relationship architecture um, similarly the south china sea should not be a factor in india china relations uh, the, the other issues like uh, the 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 water the indian ocean all of these emerging at the potential issues which could emerge as a greater conflictual issues between india and china uh, could be managed and they should be managed if india china relations has to progress to the next decade uh, and i think um, uh, all of these three four challenges if both the countries manages to handle Uh, then there is a great future to india china relations but at this moment i don't really see this is happening even though both the countries are uh, trying to build a much more economic oriented developmental partnerships and both the leadership are showing inclination inclinations positive inclinations to engage with each other but a lot has to be done uh, at the practical level at the official level at the non official level to give a direction to this relationship So a cautiously optimistic outlook in the next 10 years even though a lot needs to be done. Um yeah, I mean uh, uh one would be realistic to say that uh, uh this relationship will definitely not deteriorate uh, to the lowest point uh, the way it deteriorated in 1962. uh it would not really deteriorate to that extent there might be occasional tensions there might be occasional hiccups but the relationship would also not be really at the top of its gear to emerge as one of the strongest relationship of the world and i think a status quo will be maintained engagement will prevail there will be occasional periodic tensions that's how the india china relationship will continue over the next one decade Professor Chen, um, Dr. Panda, thank you very much for joining us. This was Merrick's Experts, uh, our podcast on China relations from the Mercator Institute for China Studies. My name is Johannes Heller. Thank you for listening, and see you next time. Goodbye. Thank you. Thank you. You have been listening to Merrick's Experts, the podcast from the Mercator Institute for China Studies in Berlin. If you want to learn more about our work, please visit us at merricks.org.